I wanted to become loved because I, I was great, a big man. I'm struggling. I'm pushing. I've given it everything. And then to discover I missed it. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Our scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's great to be with you guys. I've actually just really enjoyed uh, what Chris said, that that's fellowship that we have. My favorite thing is uh, broken pastors. These are my favorite people in the world um, that just have had their tail kicked by God. Uh, So unfortunately for you, God decided he was going to prepare you to be somebody I really, really value and like. So um, anyways, so that that our fellowship and prayer is awesome. But anyways, I am uh, ARP or Associate Reformed Presbyterian. I was PCA 20 years ago. Love the PCA, but um, I I became ARP just, and all I can tell you is my experiences from it. Um, I'm not here as a representative per se. I'm just... Uh, a pastor in that. I, I love that it has this very family vibe. Um, just the idea that we're, we're always eating together after things and you're, you're hanging out with people you disagree with and having barbecue. And it's just been really nice. And then um, what my sons and I do is we run a nonprofit, our ministry called Lost Sheep. And we just invite, it's all about reaching people with the gospel through radical hospitality. So we invite people over to our home and everyone does everything together. So we all cook together, gives a sense of belonging and dignity. And then we just all sit around and eat together. Um, So just a beautiful, beautiful time. So that's a little bit about me. But as we look at our passage and we say, okay, here we are, we've, we just read that, and it has, uh, uh, who was that, what was the name of the person reading it? 
melody. As melody, as you were reading that, it was just washing over me, the, the intensity, the seriousness of this, that this is like such an intense, serious thing. And that this really cuts through a lot of the layers of things we're dealing with and hits us right at like what matters in life. What is the thing that really matters in your life, in my life, that we really have to know about right here, right now? And what's so beautiful about this passage, and even the one I actually, when he was like, I was like, oh, can I, 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 I was like a little kid, you know, I was like, can I have the gospel shoes? Can I have the gospel shoes? I want those. I didn't even go past it. Yeah, he even like went past it and to save this for me, you know, because I, I just think this passage is so central to what we need. And the best way to do it, I know, or to bring to connection is this this quote from this movie, it's called A Man Called Ove. Uh, fantastic. No, 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 sorry. Wrong movie. It's from The Tree of Life. Fantastic movie. Um, and at the turning point of the movie, he says this, I wanted to be loved because I was great. A big man. I'm nothing. Look at the glory around us. Trees, birds. I lived in shame I dishonored it all, and I didn't notice the glory. I'm a foolish man. When we look at this and we read this, we see that this man clearly wasn't right with his own existence. He says, I am a foolish man. I've lived in shame. He's not right with his own being, his own existence in the world. Uh, he's not at peace with himself. He says, you know, I wanted to see, uh, I, I missed the whole deep value and meaning in the world. The meaning of or value I would have in my life. I just missed it. I missed the glory. And we can all relate to that. Every one of us, we have that same exact experience. I, I, I missed the glory. I, my life is askew. It's, it's, I'm, I'm doing these things. I'm seeking to be good. I'm seeking to bring together and find the value and the meaning of life. And actually that I matter, that the idea that you're, you are here, that you want that to go, that, that guy, that matters. I matter. Which is exactly what this guy's saying. He's hanging his head in utter desperation. You can see the struggle. I wanted to become loved because I, I was great, a big man. I'm struggling. I'm pushing. I've given it everything. And then to discover, oh my goodness. Oh no. I missed it. I missed it all. I didn't even see the glory around me. I lived in shame. I've just been a foolish man. We all can relate to that. We feel so bad about ourselves. You think about the thoughts that run through your head. <laughs> the, the, the worst times for me would be the shower. I don't know about for you. It might be a different time, but that shower. You know, some people, they're singing in the shower. It's great. I'm, I'm so, you know, that, that you can gauge my life by my shower time <laughs> and what goes through my head. But that idea of these thoughts of the feeling that we don't belong, we feel so bad about ourselves. And even you'll notice often we feel so, so bad of trying to find this place where I belong, where I'm, I'm good, I'm right. 
I'm not going to be tossed out of the tribe. There is so much of this thing of we just want to find this place that is our place that we've shown that we're, we, we aren't just accepted, but we deserve to be accepted. And we will not be tossed out. And so this is that whole existential dilemma that he's facing is that, that idea. And when I say existential, uh, he's struggling with existential meaning, but all that means is existence. You know, the word existential, it just means like, does my existence have meaning? Does my existence have value? Um, and he says, no, 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 I missed it all for him. But that is so important. That's why this is so important that we look at this. So we, we look at our passage and our passage is, hey, take up the whole armor of God. Um, and then we come and having bound to your feet the gospel of the good news of peace with God. So that we're to bind to our feet, to stand up against these strategies with a sense of binding our feet with the peace of God. And nothing is more central than this one thing. If you could ignore that, I went a little further than I would have. Just go back there. Um, but nothing is more central than this question of peace with God. Having a solid foundation for my existence and value. And so when we look at this, what does it mean when it says um, to have our feet bound with the good news, the gospel of peace? And that's where uh, looking at Ephesians 2.17, he says this, talking about Jesus. He said he came and he, what did he preach? What did Jesus bring? He preached peace to who you who were what? Afar off, who didn't belong, who were outside, and to peace to those who were near that this is very central to what the gospel message is, what Jesus's assignment is, what he wants you to know here. But then if we go on and we look at this, our passage, our passage falls right after the breastplate of righteousness. First, we take on the belt of truth, but the very next piece is, is stand having put on that breastplate of righteousness. And so we see that breastplate of righteousness, and then we see, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So this idea of righteousness and this peace are together. They don't go separately. They're together. It's a combination package. You can't have one without the other. And so if we look, one of the passages, I love that you had it in the liturgy, I don't know if you saw that way. We read Romans 5 is that if you want to understand peace, you have to go into righteousness. And when we, one of the most beautiful passages to actually say, when people say, well, what's the peace of God that you're putting on your feet is this one right here, Romans 5, 1, since we have been de declared righteous or justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. This is the whole thing tied into righteousness. If we have righteousness, then we have peace. We have, if we're going to have peace with God, we have to have righteousness. They're unequivocally tied to each other. 
And so that's when it's saying, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, and with that coming out of that is your feet being covered up with these shoes of peace with God. This is really what's so central. And one of the things that, that is interesting to me is that Paul in Romans is just obsessed with this sense of rightness and not rightness. Um, I don't want to say wrongness, but if you look at these words, this is just a sample from t- a couple chapters of Romans. And I actually, I was going to have another slide with even the first couple chapters. All of these words in blue, if you see those, every one of these is some derivative of this word of righteousness. So whether it's justified or uh, whether it's righteous, righteousness, right, just, justification, these are all the same word. They're just different variations. So when you see the word justification or justified, or you see the word unjust, etc., these are all tied in very similar words. They're saying the same thing. So this whole idea of righteousness and peace, these are central to having a foundation for your existential sanity for your existential sanity, that you actually have a place that belong in the world. But one of the things for me, I don't know about you, but these words um, actually are hard to access for me. I don't know about you, but I mean, when was the last time that you over dinner said, you know, um, well, you know, son or, you know, spouse or friend, you know, your righteousness is just a little subpar lately. It's just a little subpar. Outside of reading the Bible, when was the last time you used the word righteousness? You know, uh, or this idea, what does even peace mean to you? Now, there's internal peace, the peace of, of, of tranquility. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about peace with God. Okay, he's not talking about peace from God. He's talking about peace with God. So if you take out tranquility, what does peace with God even mean to you and I? That's so hard for me to get. It's, it's like the righteousness. What does that mean? I, I mean, I know I'm a pastor. I've taken theology tests. I, trust me, I mean, you don't need to usher me out. He doesn't know what these things mean. But if you're not a Christian, I want to I kind of put this out to you too, is this is really important. These are central things to the Christian message. Or if you're a brand new Christian, listen, we, we, it's a little hard for us to access as well. But it just simply mams down to rightness or justness. And this is where I'm saying here is, is my person, my being, my existence, is it right? Is my being right? Is my existing good? Is it justified? You know, that's what I, I mean, that, that, that's, we never talk that way, but in essence, we want to say, I want to be justified that my existence is justified in this world. Not just like, okay, I get to take up so much space and carbon footprint, and, but like, not, you know, that's not what, I mean, we all probably want that, but what we really want to know is like within our family, within the people that matter to us, I matter. I'm justified for you to be in relationship, for you to be close with me. These are the things. And that's all that righteousness means when it says, take up that breastplate of righteousness. 
this is, it's saying, take up, you're taking up rightness. And that's something we can know the opposite. Our bodies, we can say this, our bodies know that we're not right. We can all go back to that poem. You know, I wanted to be big. I wanted to be loved, he says first. We all want to be loved because I was great, because I was a big man. But I missed it all. And sometimes we do think we're big and great. I do. We all do. But our bodies often, or the shower, or whatever it is, speaks to us of that struggle. Who am I? What, what, why do I exist? What is the point of me being here? We all have this desperate existential need to be good, to be worthy, to have value. And this can only come through this rightness. And then that rightness leads to the good news of peace. And I'm going to tie it together in a minute. So I'm going to have you just put a pin on that. But if you kind of go take a step uh, forward with me, and we'll come back to that rightness, the good news of peace with God. What does it mean, the peace with God? It's first and foremost, this is a removal of, oh, of what, oh I forgot. I, I needed you to give me a list of names because I know in the sermons, I have to call out like 15 names, you know, and so, all right, yeah, there you go, there you go, Sid, Sid, I want you to know this, I'm sorry, I just had to poke a little, little humor there, but um, this idea of what is peace of God, Sid, what is peace with God? Well, first and foremost, right, it's, it's the removal of our sin, it's the removal of God's wrath. And we all, but so often we just stop there and we say as Christians, I, as a pastor, I stopped there for so many years. In fact, in that Romans 5 verse you read, um, look back at it in your liturgy. Uh, Mine's down here. I, I would just, having been justified, I, well, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Therefore, having been justified through faith, Right. And then I would really quickly run over, we have peace with God. And then I would go jump into, but we've obtained our access into this grace in which we stand. And what I'm telling you is that the removal of wrath, the removal of your sin is definitely a part of peace with God. It is a reconciling blood of Christ, that Christ came as a substitute to take your place and to take my place. And in that, he removed the wrath and the alienation and the separation between God and yourself. And yet there's more. There's a positive statement of peace with God. If this is God who created everything, there is not just simply a ceasefire. (laughs) That's how we often so much see it. It's rather a positive statement that his coming and saying to be at peace with God is to be aligned with God. That God is coming and saying, you know what? Um, You and I are aligned. We've become one. I'm tying myself to you. So to have peace with God is that very thing is to be unified and tied to God that he is really with you and you are with him. Isn't that what we read in Revelation? Isn't that what we read? That he will come and dwell. You will be his dwelling. 
right? He will be your God, Corey. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't. I just, I, I, I always think I'm funny and my kids would be just hanging their heads right now. So, sorry, I do. But he will be your God, Corey. He will be your God. He is your God now, right? That this is, God has made you aligned with him. You are mine. And guess what? I am yours. And that's so he's basically coming saying that that peace with God is alignment with God. Alignment with God. Just as we're standing in this multi-story building, this wall, this pillar right here, if you look at this pillar, right? It has to be aligned going down. It has to be aligned going up. I can't be this section and I'm here, but the section below me and above me is so far off. And so this is what it means. This is why I mean, I use the word true, not in the sense of true versus false, but true is in a, a construction term, square, plumb, that we're aligned, we're united to form one. This is what it means when he says, have your feet shod with the readiness that comes with the good news of peace with God that you have been aligned with God. What a strength. What a strength against the devil. What a strength against our own hearts and our own foolishness. What a beautiful, beautiful strength that God has given you. This is the good news that God is aligned with you and you are aligned with God. And this, my friends, is all outside of you. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is completely outside of you. This is, it requires peace with God. Peace is inevitably tied to righteousness. And righteousness, again, we're just talking about rightness. That that is an, a rightness through Christ that is connected not with you, or not, I'm sorry, let me, that is incorrect. It is not sourced by you. Its source is outside of you. Its sustaining is outside of you. Its provision, it is provided by Christ externally from you. Just as it says earlier in Ephesians, right? We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Not of works, lest anyone would boast. Saying there's no participation. Or Romans 3 puts it this way, but now a rightness, a righteousness, if I can just say this, but now a rightness for your humanity has appeared. That's what it talked about Christ being apart, separate from the works of the law. This is a, a, a rightness that is so solid, it cannot be shaken by I call it your stupid sin, my stupid sin, and my carnal attitudes. Because in that internal, so much of this, I know that I am this person. This is further more the reason you have peace with God, the reason God aligned you with you. Let me even reverse it. Let me say this. Is, is what if, what if the reason was peace with God. What if the reason Christ came was this very verse we're covering today, that you have peace with God. The reason you, 
There is a breastplate of righteousness. The reason Christ came and provided this rightness because he wanted to do one thing is make you right with God, align you with God. And so to do that, he didn't do it in just a fictional way. Christ came and he provides a real rightness for your person, for your being, for your life, for your existence of actual deeds. Jesus did actual deeds and it had actual attitudes, right attitudes, right deeds done by Christ alone. This is where, for me, this whole idea of going back to this, this peace with God. And I don't think, I, I, I think I have to go back a bit to do this. Yes. So I just want to look at this. Here's our verse and verse uh, 14 right before it. Stan having put on this breastplate of righteousness. Stan having put on this breastplate of righteousness that Christ Jesus, God, you know, as, as, as Chris has been talking about, God, these are God's pieces of armor. The Satan is after you. He's after me. He's out to destroy you. He has been laboring so hard this morning. Since before you woke up, guess what? He's up long before you. And not just because he lives on the East Coast. Okay. <laughs> All right. West Coast demons, they're here, you know, and they're up before you and they are ready to go. And they're hitting you from the day, time, from the time you went to bed, from the moment your eyes start to just barely drift open. And you have, I'm sure if you're anything like the rest of humanity, like the rest of humanity, you have so many thoughts running through your mind. But that's why God sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came in our place to be our substitute. And so often as Christians, we think, yeah, I know he came to get me my sins forgiven and to give me this righteousness. Um, but he did it more than that. He did it to bring you in alignment with himself. He did it to bring you in alignment with, your, with himself and to give you that readiness. Um, and since, if you're declared righteous, what do you have? It's almost like a, a, a logical syllogism. Do you see that? Since you've been declared righteous or justified, those two just mean the same thing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, now, it's a real righteousness, a real rightness. If we take that word righteousness, we just shorten it and just say rightness. And think about this, that you have rightness for your being, for your existence. And you think, well, yeah, but what about what I think? I think of all these bad things, like the stuff that goes through my mind. If you could only hear it. Uh, I don't really need to hear it because I have a mind as well. <laughs> so, but the idea is, well, that's why Christ lived with perfect thoughts perfect attitudes. It is a mountain of right deeds, right attitudes. It's, it is like God decided, this is what I'm going to do when he says, take up that breastplate of, of righteousness. God is backing up truckloads and truckloads of beautiful deeds and dumping them on you. 
you're piled in a mountain of deeds and attitudes that are beautiful, that are perfect. When God looks at those attitudes and deeds that are piled so high on top of you, and he sees the like almost literally countless measure of them, right? And he sees that countless measure. They're so delightful to him that he can't but have unity and peace with you. He says, and that's, guess what? It does, it's not just that he says, hey, look, you're so beautiful. He does say that. He says, Chris, you are so beautiful. I'm going to align myself with you. Uh, said, thank you. Right, I'm just going to pick on you because you're, you're, I'm new and you're, you're easy fodder. She looks too nice, you know, and stuff. So is it Sheila? Sheila? Gina. Okay. So, but that idea is he made you mountains of righteousness. And so now he, he can't but align himself with you. God's integrous, right? God's integrous. I mean, he's not going to lie. And he's not going to turn and look at something of mountains of true, beautiful goodness and go, well, I don't know. I'm kind of interested for a while. Now I'm on to something else. No, so when he looks at you, Sid, and these countless, endless thoughts of good, right thoughts, and he looks at Sid and he sees these countless, endless deeds of good, right, right deeds, the way a man should act, the way a woman should act, the way a human being should interact with other people. When he sees that, he has to align himself. He has to say, you know what? You're true. You're genuine. Your existence matters. You really are the stuff. You are the stuff. But more than that, he intentionally made you the stuff so that he could be aligned with you. Why did Christ come? He came for this perfect, why did Christ came? He came to make you his bride, to make you the temple and dwelling of God. He had this mission, this agenda. Jesus came for this one reason. If you don't understand Christianity, understand this. Jesus came with this one mission, just to take your place and to provide a rightness, a goodness that would make you so integral, integra, te, not integral, integral, integrally. So I'm trying to merge a couple words there, or a couple endings. <laughs> integrally good that he could align, not just could, but would need to align himself with you. That's why Jesus came, is so that God could tie himself to you. That mountains of Christ's right deeds and attitude covering you means that there's peace and alignment and there's even integrity between you and God. This is what peace means. This is why he says, hey, if, you know, having done all the stand, take uh, or taking up the whole armor of God and he after righteousness and this breastplate of righteousness, he says, now get your feet solid. Get your feet solid, knowing that I have not only made you so right, I've a line, I'm, a, I'm a, in union, I've tied myself to you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, and it never stops, it never lessens, because you wear the actual integrity of Christ as a breastplate. 
It is the integrity of Christ Jesus. We often think, okay, again, well, yeah, I will put on the righteousness of Christ. Okay, that's mine. But again, it's like I'm an, and I'm, a, I'm an American. I'm a Californian. I'm a Southern Californian, so I'm a true Californian. Just, 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 just I don't know. If we ever split, I, you know, no, I, I love North Cal too. But I, 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 sorry, I always like to harass my North Cal friends. Um, but the... Um, but you, see, I, I don't know what the righteousness is because I don't use that word in my own life. But I know what integrity is. I want to be a man of integrity. That's what I want to be. I want a man that's stable, solid. You know, somebody else says to him, he says, hey, and, you know, somebody asked Chris, what do you think of Bob? Oh, he, he's one of the good ones. He's a good guy, right? You know, or something I would say about Chris. I'm like, he gets it. That's, that just means, you know, again, he's, he's integrous with what we're about. But I get to wear, you get to wear the integrity of Christ as a breastplate, the goodness of Christ as a breastplate. So the one, think about this, think about this as we take it and start to kind of apply it. The one who frames existence, God, the one who structures life, who defines meaning, is aligned with you. Let me show you what I mean. Look at this first verse. It says, Acts 17, 28. In him, we live and move and have our being. Even if you, some of your poets have said, for we are his offspring. As Paul's preaching, you know, at Mars Hill, if you're familiar with that. In God, we live, or we exist. We move and our being our very existence, our very being is in him. Or look at 1 Corinthians 8. It says, therefore, you forget there's one God, the Father, from whom are all things. From whom? From this one, everything that is, every molecule, every planet, every star, every gust of wind, all things are and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we, what? Exist. He's this one that structured all existence, who frames what existence is and being actually is, who structures life, who defines what meaning is in this world, has said, I am going to be at peace with you. I'm going to be aligned with you. I'm grabbing you. I'm tying myself to you. I'm tying myself to you. And we are going to be united. That is what a strength, what a comfort, what an assurance. Let's look at the next passage, Colossians 1. For by him, by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, or authorities. Sounds very much like our, our, our passage earlier, verse 12, right? Um, thrones, dominions. Again, these aren't words we use, but what is he saying? He's saying whether it's the, the, the greatest powers that be. The greatest powers that be. All were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And I love this. And in him, this is specifically talking about Christ, all things hold together. He frames existence. Hebrews says that he upholds the universe by the word of his very power. This is the one that said, you will be mine. 
I will be yours and we will be at peace. We will be united. We will be together. This is for us. It gives us an existential hope, an existential hope, a solid basis of our being, our existence of having a secure meaning and future. Why do you know that you matter? Because God has deemed to say, you know what? I not only control and it sustained everything, but I've come after you and I've said, you will be mine. I will pile you in mountains and mountains and mountains of actual true rightness, right deeds. I will blanket you in integrity. I will cover you in goodness. So much so, and none of this being sourced from, your, from you, and none of this actually being your action. When you lie and deceive in that moment, you have this existential hope. When I lie, when I deceive, when I look at something I shouldn't look at, I have a solid, solid basis for my being. And that that is that I am aligned with God and nothing can stop it. Nothing can lessen it because God is determined that he would have peace with me. He would be aligned with me. Why? Because he put Christ uh, there for me. So this is a firmness. That's the last thing. If you look back at our text, it says uh, to bind your feet with what? The readiness is what uh, the ESV says. The readiness, other people might translate it the preparedness, or if you solidify it, it just really comes down to the firmness. And this is where you come back to this thing of this, take up the whole armor, having done all the stand, what you're taking and putting on your feet is this, this uh, soldier's boot, right? And this soldier would put this boot on his foot. And especially for the Roman soldiers, he's had little knobby nails in it. And they would give you that preparedness, that readiness to stand. And so that, and it even says, I think in verse 13, so that when, I, when it's at the evil day or when it's at its worst, that you're able to stand. What can give us this thing to enable us to stand, but to know that God is actually tied himself to me permanently. We all know too well, this is us. This is us. I wanted to be loved because I was great, because I was a big man. This is what I want so bad. And yet I have something so much more in Christ Jesus, so much more real, so much more uh, complete. This is our hope, brothers. This is our hope, sisters. It is something that uh, we together can rejoice in. Father, you have made us at peace with you, unified with you. Lord, how is it that you would align yourself with us? We know who we are. You knew who we are and would be, and you came to capture us. Thank you, Lord, for defining our lives, giving them meaning, giving them value. Thank you that we are the temple of the living God. Amen. For further information, 
please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Sing a new song